Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. The book of Genesis. And uh, chapter 15. And we want to continue with this that we've been on for many weeks now. uh, A covenant of blood. And uh, we've been uh, teaching on a covenant of healing and healing school for weeks now. And uh, we're just staying on this road of revelation. Until the Lord gives us another direction. So I always have to remember, we talk about these three things in each of these teachings. I always have to remember, I have a covenant. Say that out loud. I have a covenant. I have a covenant. Secondly, I have to remember the Bible is a covenant book sealed with blood on both ends. The blood of bulls and goats in the first covenant, the blood of Jesus Christ in the second covenant. But nonetheless, the Bible is a covenant book sealed with blood on both ends. And thirdly, a covenant mindset is a requirement for strong faith. A covenant mindset is a requirement for strong faith. And we'll, we'll center up on, on that tonight. Uh, Genesis 15, let's start here in verse 1. And after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. And your exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me you've given no seed, and one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This will not be your heir. But he that comes shall come forth out of your own bowels shall be your heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now towards heaven and tell the stars or look at the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your seed be. Now notice, and he, Abram, believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. So when God shows up and says, I'm your shield, your protector, All right, and your exceeding great reward, one translation says, and your reward for obeying me will be great. Abram says, Lord, all right, what could you possibly give me because I still don't have a child? In other words, I've got all of this inheritance to give, and I don't have a child to give it to. And he said, and this hired servant, this servant born in my home is my heir. Right? And notice what God said. No, this will not be your heir. But one that comes out of your own body will be your heir. And then he said, now come on, come outside, look at the stars. If you can number the stars, that's how many your descendants will be. Now remember just moments before, my heir is this Eliezer of Damascus. God says, now come outside, look at the stars. That's how many your descendants are going to be. And Abraham just made a decision. I believe God. Is that right? And he believed in the Lord. He believed what the Lord said to him in spite of what he could physically see with his own eyes. I don't have a son. It doesn't appear there's any way to have a son. Not with Sarah anyway. But God says, this is how it's going to be. And Abraham says, okay, I believe you. I believe what you say. The Amplified Bible says, and he, Abram, believed in, trusted in, relied on, 
remained steadfast to the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness or right standing with God. A covenant mindset places God and his word in the highest position in your life. The highest position. Circumstances try to obtain and try to maintain the highest position in your life. Your circumstance wants to be on your mind all the time. The situation wants to be on your mind all the time. The enemy, if we can say it that way, wants the circumstance that you're dealing with to be on your mind all the time. Hallelujah. But a covenant mindset places God and his word in the highest position in your life. It's what did God say? Abraham could see he didn't have a child, but God said this. God said, I would have a child that would come out of my own body. So that's how this is going to be. I believe God. So despite what he could see, Abraham believed God. He trusted God. Now think about that. One component of a covenant mindset is you trust the person that you're in covenant with. Amen. If you believe God, it's evidence that you trust God. If someone tells you something and you believe it, it's because you trust them. Amen. Either they've, either they've proven themselves or you just know you can trust them. But he trusted God. Then it says he relied on God. In this covenant that we have with God, God uh, uh, nine times in Genesis 17, he said, this is my covenant. I'm making my covenant with you. God was the initiator of the covenant. God was the one that brought it to bear on Abraham. God approached him with the covenant. Amen. He relied on God. Part of that covenant mindset is I can rely on the person or the individual that made a covenant with me. God can be depended upon to do exactly what he said to you. Period. End of discussion. There's no discussion. When, when God comes into the equation, there's no discussion. The, the discussion is over. It has ended. If God said it, that's what God intends to do. And I just, my part is to believe God. My part is faith and obedience where this covenant is concerned. Hallelujah. Oh, glory be to God. And he relied on God. You got to put your total reliance on God. Abraham's total reliance was on God. Amen. Because he reached a point where his body was dead and Sarah was past the, the age to, to have any hope of having a child. He had to put his total reliance on God. If this is going to happen, it's going to happen because God said it and God's going to do it. Everybody needs to come up against those circumstances in your life where you got to put your total reliance on God and God is the only one that can do this. God is the only one that can make Your faith needs that. Your faith needs to see you come up against totally circumstances that seem like there's no way out but yet you believe God and God brings you out God makes a way for you and then when circumstances hit the world circumstances hit the the nation you're not you're not in a quandary about what to do because your reliance has always been on God and your reliance is still on God we don't depend on anybody but our covenant partner it's our covenant partner that stood in blood and swore to us that he would be a god to us and he would bless us and make our name great and take care of us and be our protector. Our covenant God swore in blood that that's what he would do. Oh, glory to God. I can, I can rely on that. I can rely on him. Hallelujah. He said, we won't take the time to go there. He said in, in Hebrews 6, he said there were two immutable things in which God could not lie. 
Titus 1-2 says God cannot lie. Numbers 23-19 says God's not the son of man that he should lie. Malachi 3-6 says God cannot change. So Hebrews, you know, Hebrews is in the New Testament, and if that's what you want to call it. But it says this, that there are two immutable things. The word immutable is unchangeable. They're unchangeable. And it says in those two things, God cannot lie. His, his word and his covenant. When he made the covenant with Abraham, that settled the issue for everybody that becomes the seed of Abraham. What God promised to Abraham applies in my life. That my relationship with God is based on that covenant that God made with Abraham. And the Bible says it is impossible for God to lie in those two things. He relied on God. Then it says he remained steadfast to God. He remains. See, God cannot break covenant. Men break covenant with God. God, God came, Exodus chapter 2 says that God heard the groanings of the children of Israel. And he came down because of their groaning. And it, what did it say he did? He remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and came down to deliver his people. Why? Because he had promised his covenant friend Abraham nearly 400 years previous, your your children, your descendants are going to go into bondage and they're going to be evilly entreated and they're they're going to be treated bad. But I will go and I'll deliver them. And he shows up and he delivers a group of people that largely wanted nothing to do with God, had no idea about God had no trust in God, had no honor for God. But God delivered him. God brought one of the mightiest nations in the world to its knees for his covenant people. You think God won't fight for you? You think God won't turn situations for you? Right now, God, your covenant God is working on circumstances in your behalf. you got to remain steadfast to him. You, I said you got to remain steadfast to him. Hallelujah. Old folks used to sing a song that said, he ain't ever done me nothing but good. Nothing but good. Just good. How can I turn my back on him now? He's never done anything but good for me. See, this is staying steadfast to God. Steadfast. You know, when I was a boy growing up, we had a term if you were dating somebody. And it was called going steady. You know, when you were just kind of seeing each other, it was iffy. But man, once you started going steady, what's that mean? That's my steady. Amen. I'm, she's my steady. I'm her steady. Hallelujah. I remember that night, I walked in that little church in Goodlitzville, Tennessee, and found my steady. Amen. How I found my steady. Glory be to God. Amen. But you understand what that means? God is steadfast. He's always there. Now, I'm saying all this for a reason. God doesn't move. It's like the the couple that had been married about 30 years, and the wife was talking to the husband one day, and she said, honey, you know, when we used to drive down the road, she said people couldn't tell if it was one person or two in the car. We were so close. And he looked at her, and he said, well, honey, there's just one thing. Back then, I was driving. I'm still driving. Who moved? I'm still in the same seat. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is steadfast. He cannot change. If if there's a brokenness, if there's a moving away, it's not God that moved away. It's not God that broke the covenant. It's not God that disbelieved. It's not God that changed his mind. God brought the people out, and over and over again, he told them, if you will obey me and pay attention to my commandments, this is what I'll do for you. And over and over again, we read it Sunday in Psalm 78, 
over and over again. It talks about how they turned their back on God. They went away from God. They broke the covenant. That's what he said in Psalm 78. They did not keep my covenant. God is steadfast. Oh, glory to God. He remains steadfast to God. See, Abraham is talked about as the father of our faith because he remains steadfast to God. Do you see that? Your job is stay steadfast to God. Amen. No matter what you're dealing with, you're steadfast to God. Nothing changes that. Your mindset is God's never the problem. God's never the issue. God didn't fail me. God has never failed me. God cannot fail me because God cannot lie. Amen. I've said this over and over again through the years and I won't change my mind. I've had people say, well, I did that and that didn't work. Impossible. It's impossible. No, impossible. No. Yeah, but pastor, I did. I believe impossible. Impossible. It's impossible because God can't lie. Is that right? What is one of the the basic essences of faith? For instance, the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It says, is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him, anointing him with oil. Prayer, faith, save sick. Lord, raise him up. Is that what the Bible says? So if I have hands laid on me in obedience to that verse, what's my part of the covenant? Faith and obedience. In obedience to that verse, and I don't feel an instant change, or I don't feel like anything changed, what's my part of that? Nope, hands were laid on me. And God can be relied upon to do exactly what he said. And I will not move off what I believe Hands were laid on me. I'm healed. Amen. What if nothing changes? Well, see, that's not a covenant mindset. A covenant mindset is if I did what the covenant partner said to do, I will get what he said I would get. That's being steadfast to God. Don't, don't. Don't believe more in the power of your circumstances to overcome you than you do in your covenant partner's ability to keep you and deliver you. Amen. That's what he said over and over again just about your healing. In in three verses, uh, Exodus 15, he said he was your healer. Exodus 23, he said he would take sickness away. Deuteronomy 7, he would keep it away. He'll heal you. He'll take it, and he'll keep it from you. Now, that's what I got to believe. Look at 2 Timothy 2. Am I helping you? 2 Timothy 2. It can seem elementary, but you know, folks, (laughs) we think everybody, because sometimes we're a little insulated in our, our circles, And sometimes people think everybody knows how to live by faith. Nope. And the essence of living by faith is you got to believe God's reliable. If you don't believe God's reliable, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. If we believe not, yet he abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. He cannot deny himself. The Amplified Bible says if we're faithless and do not believe and are untrue to him, he remains true, faithful to his word and his righteous character, for he cannot deny himself. So notice, if we are faithless, if we don't believe, it doesn't change him. He remains true to his word. Hallelujah. A covenant mindset knows God is forever bound to his word. Forever bound to his word. It's it's an eternal relationship. He, he He said this was an eternal thing. And so when God says something, 
he is bound to what he said. That's important. Because if, if, listen, that's the only way that something can still have power that was said 4,000 years ago. Because over the period of 4,000 years, the word of God has never lost any of its power. Because God is eternal, the, so, the source of the word, so therefore the word is eternal. God is forever powerful, so his word is forever powerful. And so there's no diminishing. That's why the Bible says no word of God is void of power. And we have a covenant with him. And he's forever bound to his word. What he has said, if we meet the conditions, faith and obedience will always come to pass. It will always come to pass. Why? God and his word are one. To be in the presence of God's word is to be in the presence of God. When, when, when you're studying the word, you're, 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 you're studying God. You, you understand what I mean by that? When you're looking at the word, you're looking at how God thinks, how God acts, how God believes. God gave you a book that tells you everything that you need to know about him and every reason you can trust him. Hallelujah. That, that's why you got to study to show yourself a proof. Habakkuk said there's a hiding of God's power. But you can find it. And Malachi said that when you find it, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Hallelujah. God's bound to that. With his stripes, I am healed. With his stripes, I was healed. He did take sickness and disease from my midst. Why? Because he said he would. Glory to God. And don't allow someone's experience make you unfaithful to God. Hallelujah. Well, I knew a person that, that they gave and they bought into that seed time and harvest stuff and they never got a thing back. Well, don't you judge God unfaithful because it didn't work for them. There's a reason it didn't work. And it's not God. I said it's not God. Do, do you see that? Hallelujah. They, they asked a person one time in, in a foreign country that was uh, holding a healing meeting. And they sent the press out to him. And he didn't usually do uh, interviews, but he decided to do one this time. And they said, uh, uh, so you believe uh, that God's a healer? He said, yes, I do. I believe that God's a healer. And they said, well, uh, uh, you know, what are you going to do if you lay hands on somebody and uh, here tonight they say they believe and they die? And he said, well, the graveyard's full of people that went and believed in the doctor and died. Amen. Everybody I lay hands on is not going to get healed. I believe they can. I believe they will. It is my belief that when I lay hands on them, the healing power is going to flow into their body. But I don't know what everybody else believes. But it doesn't change God. What you believe only changes God's ability to function in your life. If you believe God's not a healer, you will never be healed. If you believe God's not a blesser, you'll never be blessed. Because Brother Hagin used to say God is a perfect gentleman and he is not going to interpose himself on somebody's life that's not going to believe him. Do you see this? That's why Paul told Timothy, even if we are unfaithful, notice, he cannot deny himself. Hallelujah. Look at Isaiah 55. Oh, glory to God. 
And you know, there are times that uh, that's got to be what you stand on. This is what God said. That's why I believe it. Oh, glory. And people might tell you, I don't see anything changing. Yeah, but God said. What does the scripture say? Amen. I mean, you believe God, right? What does the scripture say? If God said that, that's, that's, that's the importance of this word to you being absolute truth. John 17, 17. Your word is truth. Psalm 119, verse 130. He said, therefore, I consider all your precepts concerning all things to be right. Everything God said is right. This is truth. This is not chancy. This is not maybe. This is not could work. This is God's word. This is a blood sworn oath. This is an eternal thing. This is a living entity. This is not a book about somebody. This is somebody. It's the living word of God that has never lost its power. It's the only part of the armor of God that made it into the, to the known world, into the, the physical world. It's the sword of the living word of God. And it cannot change. And it cannot fail. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Isaiah 55 and verse 11. So sh- now, let's read verse 10. As the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return thither, does not return there, but waters the earth, makes it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be. That goeth forth out of my mouth. It will not. It shall not return unto me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. The Amplified Bible says it will not return to me void without producing any effect. It will not return useless. But it will accomplish that which I please and purpose. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For which I sent it. Notice how he talks about his word. It will not return empty. It will not return without producing an effect. So when somebody says, I tried that and it didn't work, that's a lie. It's a lie. Because he said it would not return without producing any effect. Now I've had people over the years say, you're too strong on that. No, I'm not. Sometimes I'm not strong enough. Because you got, you, listen, that you got to stake your life on this. That if I said it, it's going to happen. If God said it and I believe it, it's going to happen. Amen. It will accomplish that which I please and purpose. That's a statement of fact. Not if or maybe. The word will not return void. That's how you got to answer things. The, the enemy's always trying to, to get, he's trying to put words in your mouth that limit you. He wants you to speak words that are going to limit you. And you, you got to decide what they are. But you'll, you'll run into people all the time, they'll say, well, you know, I can't do that. I've never been any good at that. And, or uh, I don't have an education and, and uh, uh, I've never had anybody to help me. So what do you expect? Well, right there, they just limited themselves. They're, they're stuck in that vein. Hallelujah. Because this, this breaks the limits. Amen. If you don't have learning... Does that mean he did not give you the tongue of the learned? If you don't, if you don't have very much learning, does that mean that, that means that you can't have the mind of Christ? The Bible says you have it. It says, but you have the mind of Christ. It says that he has given you the tongue of the learned, that he wakens you morning by morning. 
and tells you what to say. Isaiah 10 said, you will hear a word behind you telling you turn to the right hand or turn to the left hand. This is the way. Walk in it. You don't have to be super intellectual to just follow the directions of your covenant partner. All you got to do is do what he tells you to do. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit will make you look like a genius. Glory to God. Because you can wrestle with things. And you've got a covenant with God. And He said, don't say it's hard. Right? In, in, in Isaiah, when, when they were talking about, uh, one translation talks about conspiracy theories. In Isaiah, he said, don't say this is a hard thing. Don't say it. Why? Because what Jesus say his yoke was? Light and easy. Amen. The Lord gave me a phrase some years ago, and it was just this. He said, when you're, when you're facing a challenging situation, here's your confession. This is simple and easy. And, and I've got staff here. How many times, how often do I say that? Simple and easy. All the time. Simple and easy. People come say, we just can't get through this. I say, come on, let's agree. This is simple and easy. This is simple and easy. Because, see, I'm smart enough to understand something. Ever what the scope of our ministry is to anybody, I didn't do it. God did it. I just did what he said. Amen. I, w- I wasn't smart enough to decide to come to Little Rock, Arkansas and plan everything out. That wasn't even our plan. Our plan was to come to Little Rock, Arkansas and start a Hispanic congregation. The Lord actually had laid on our heart to help Pastor Caldwell with a Hispanic congregation. That's what the Lord had laid on our heart. And, and, and we talked about it and we were praying about it. We didn't know he was going to transition. But he let us know he was going to transition. And so we went to the Lord and said, now what, Lord? Because that that was our plan. That's what we felt like we were supposed to do. Now what? You won't let Little Rock come off our heart. What do we do? Amen. And God God lined it out. He said, "Go go get a meeting room in a hotel and have meetings there until I give you an in-between place. And so we went to the La Quinta. Many of y'all were there. We went to the La Quinta. We had meetings in the La Quinta. And, and we, Pastor Michelle and I drove around West Little Rock here and drove around. We drove down here and drove around. And God kept bringing us back here. And many of y'all were here when we got in here. This place was gutted. There was nothing in this place. And we had to open and have church in three weeks. And there were people that actually said, we can't do it. But you know what we said? Simple and easy. Simple and easy. Did we move in in three weeks? We moved in in three weeks. Hallelujah. And one day I was praying in here, asking the Lord about a building. Lord, you know, we want our own place. He said, count the chairs in here. I counted the chairs. He said, how many are there? I said, 142. He said, okay, fill them. And when you fill them, you'll know where to go. How simple is that? We're almost full. And and I keep telling you, I can almost take you to where my building is. The thing is, I just don't know if I got to pay for it or not. And and here's what I mean. It's it's either going to be given or I'm going to have the money in hand. Hallelujah. You say, how do you know that? Because, Because it's, I just, I, just, I just go to prayer, and when I'm praying in the Spirit and praying over this, I keep getting the phrase, next steps, next steps, next steps. Just next steps. I'm just waiting on the next steps. If God's not telling you anything about moving forward, get comfortable for a moment where you're at and settle your spirit down and quit getting overwrought with what you need to do and just focus on where God has you and just pray it out. Your covenant partner will not leave you in a lurch. He will tell you what to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The problem, a big problem that I see today is people don't pray. People people don't pray. They don't seek God and, and go to God and find out what God wants. 
You can have all the programs in the world. You can do everything, but you there's no substitute for praying, taking your Bible into your prayer place and opening the Word of God up and letting the Holy Spirit take you to Scriptures for you to pray them out. Amen. This is so important. And, 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 and when you do that, you're, you're moving your intellect out of the way. And you're thinking with the mind of God. God's thoughts are placed in His Word. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, will bring to your remembrance everything He said. Glory to God. I don't, I don't know who needed that, but praise God. You, 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 you've got to quit being so agitated. The, the devil wants you agitated. The news cycle, I don't even watch the news, and I know what the news cycle is. It's just horrid. There's, there is no good news. He just wants you agitated, like a washing machine. <laughs> agitated. But the Bible never says that God moves you through agitation. God leads you by still waters. Evidence that you're doing what God wants is peace. When you have a covenant mindset, you're full of peace. I submit to you that Abraham reached a place where there was no more thought in his mind, what if this doesn't happen? He had lost that. Amen. Glory to God. Look at Isaiah 54 and verse 9. So, I said all that about the building because I want you to understand. When you have a covenant mindset, if God said, fill these seats and you'll know where to go, I'll know where to go. Because that's what my covenant partner who cannot lie said. That's why you got to know his voice. That's why Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and another they will not follow. You got to know the voice of the Lord. And if you're honoring God and walking in faith and obedience, you'll know his voice. He'll talk to you. If you go and you open yourself up and you put yourself in a position to hear from him. He said, call unto me and I will answer you and I'll show you some things. Is that right? When somebody says, well, I don't know. God don't talk to me so much. You're telling off on yourself. <laughs> you're telling on yourself. You, you, you got to make time. I, I'm telling you, as your pastor, you got to make even more time now than you've ever made before for God and for His things. You got to let some of that stuff go. Oh, Lord, I, don't, I'm, I'm, I feel like I need to say this. You cannot be more interested in natural earthly things than you are spiritual things and expect things to change. If, if God wakes you up and needs you to pray, you can't be more interested in getting a couple more hours sleep than getting out of bed and praying. Something's going to change. I say something's going to change if you'll get out of bed and go pray. Something will change. Yeah, but what if I'm tired the next day? Who cares? You change something. Glory to God. I've, listen, I've had... I, I have, God has had me pray so much at times that I had to finally say, Lord, I'm getting tired. Is it okay if I rest? And I've never had the Lord say no. He's not trying to wear you out, but if God finds somebody that'll pray, if God finds somebody that will respond, he'll keep coming back to them because everybody's not responding. All you got to do is turn on Christian TV and hear what's being taught, and you'll know everybody's not responding. Hallelujah. You got people teaching we're already in the tribulation. Antichrist is on the earth. This vial's been poured out. This bowl's been poured out. Listen, none of the vials have been poured out. No bowls have been poured out. We're on the earth. The word ecclesia is not used in the book of Revelation after chapter 4. 
And there's not one hint of tribulation in Revelation until chapter 4. The word ecclesia is the word for the church. We are not in the book of Revelation after chapter 4. We are gone. We are out of here. The rapture has come. All I'm trying to explain to you is this. You, you can't allow things to take your attention. You've got to be steadfast to the covenant. Steadfast to what God says. If God says, I need you to pray, get up and pray. If God says, I want you to fast, go fast. If God says, shut yourself away, I want to show you something. Shut the door. Turn off the TV. Get busy. Get on your knees. God wants to talk to you. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Do you see that? I'll have, I'll have young ministers come to the church. And they'll say, I want you to tell me how you do this and how you did this. And how did you start walking in this anointing? And I'll say, you really want to know? You got to fast and pray. You, you, got, you got to love God more than you love anything else. My, my wife is sitting here tonight, and I wouldn't lie to you anyway, but I'm sure not going to lie to you with her sitting here. Amen. When God now, now I'm saying, I don't know why I'm saying all this, but it goes with what I'm saying. When God started dealing with us, the, the, the pathway that he wanted us to take in, into to full-time ministry, I was pastoring, uh, I was an, an assistant pastor, we had a good little life. I was preaching all I wanted to. You know, when you hadn't preached very long, you just want to preach all the time. And I was, I, was get, I was getting to preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Monday night, men's prayer. I was, the pastor was sick, and I was doing all the preaching. We had a good little life. Had a nice little house with roaches. The crawly kind. Got to make sure you know that. A rent house. But, but we had it better than we had ever had it. I mean, honestly. I had, I had a steady job. I was, man, I was witnessing the people on the job, getting people saved, praying for people, Holy Ghost falling on people in that corporate setting. They'd come to me and say, I'm sick. Could you pray for me? Well, I laid hands on this one lady. I was looking for an usher. She was falling out right there in Blue Cross Blue Shield, falling out under the power of God. Amen. It was good, but right here, right here, I was so unsatisfied. Just right here. And the, and the Lord began to talk to me about fasting and shutting myself away. Amen. Now, I still had to work. I still had to work. And I'm fasting, working eight to ten hours a day. And I, I have people say, well, I got to spend time with my family. I would come home. And spend time, they would eat, and I'd sit at the table with them while they ate. And then I'd play with my kids. I'd go out and play on a trampoline with my kids, play with them, have a good time, talk to my wife. We'd visit till about 9, 9.30. And then I'd go downstairs in the basement. I had a little makeshift office, and I'm down there for the rest of the night. Well, how'd you do it? The Lord sustained me. But there were things I wanted more than my next plate of food. I wanted God's plan for my life. What it took to get it 40 years ago, it still takes today. You understand? That hasn't changed. And, and then you begin to get a firm reliance on your covenant partner. It becomes real to you. When, you. when you quiet the flesh, the word becomes so vibrant. Because I'm, I'm no longer just looking for the next thing I need to do naturally. I'm looking at what God said. Let me hurry. Isaiah 55, 9. This is as the waters of Noah to me. As I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn I will not be wroth with you nor rebuke you. Now, I'm saying this for a reason. So what stops the earth from being flooded again? God's word. God said it would never happen again. So when people start talking about global warming and the oceans are going to overtake, and no, never going to happen. Why? God said it wouldn't. Well, you're not a scientist. No, but I do know the word. 
and this governs science. It's not going to happen. Now, the reason I'm saying that, what stops that from ever happening? God said it. Amen. When God says something, it's a blood-sworn oath. My part is faith and obedience. Here's our last verse, uh, Hebrews 11. You, you, are, you are never going to go wrong going all out for God. Never. Never. Hallelujah. That's, what, that's, that's when my life changed. Because I, was, I was raised in the church. I was raised Pentecostal. I mean, I, we, we thought we were the real Pentecostals. Them other folk were faking you know, you had people call themselves Pentecost and they wore makeup. Oh, no, they're faking. They're faking. Can't be Pentecost and wear no makeup. Amen. Can't be Pentecost and cut your hair. No Pentecostal woman with short hair. Uh-uh. Now, I don't agree with that. You understand me? But my point is, I was, I was raised that way. But without an understanding that this is a covenant book. That it's a blood-sworn oath. Hebrews 11, verse 11, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, sprang there even one of them. See, very often... Abraham, now don't get me wrong, is the focus of the great faith here. But the Bible shows us it was a partnership between Abraham and Sarah. She had to believe God too. And she did. And it says, therefore, sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, sprang there even of one, a son came from one who was as good as dead. So many as the stars of the sky and multitude of the sand, which by the seashore, innumerable. The Amplified says, because of faith, Sarah received physical power to conceive a child, even when she was long past the age for it, because she considered God, who had given her the promise, notice this, to be reliable and trustworthy and true to his word. God's reliable. That's a covenant mindset. God is reliable. God is trustworthy. God is true to his word. Amen. God can be depended upon to do exactly what he said. Hallelujah. And, and you, you got to remind yourself of that, and you got to remind your spouse of that, and you got to remind your family of that. Amen. Guys, men of God, husbands, we need men of God that are going to stand up in our houses and say, honey, God can be depended upon to do exactly what he said. Everything, hear me saying it, everything is going to be okay because God's reliable. God's trustworthy. Amen. Do, do you see that? And you know, I'll end with this. We've, we've heard a lot of these type of stories in our, in our circles. But, uh, I, I remember the day. I remember the day I set my wife down, and I said, honey, I said, I know that we don't have very much. And I said, I would like to do a lot more for you, but you know we just can't right now. But I looked at her. I took her hands, and I looked at her, and I said, but here's what I'll tell you. If you'll stay with me, we'll keep working the word, and all this will change. And I said, because God can be dependent upon to do exactly what he said. Amen. Amen. When I, when I said that, we had nothing. Well, now we got something. Amen. But it was God that did it. My wife depends on me to believe God. I depend on her to believe God. There are things she'll come to me and she'll say, honey, I want you to agree with me. I said, okay, I'm agreeing with you because it's your faith that's going to get this done. 
I told her. I said, I got, listen, I got all this going on. I can't put anything else on my faith. So if you're believing for that, it's your faith. But I'll agree with you. I depend on her to do that. She depends on me to do that. You got to know that that person that's living with you believes that God can't lie. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't that good news? That's good news. And the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Your debt freedom's right around the corner. I'm telling you, Brother Jerry said this was the year of the open hand of God. He said to us, it was a year of astounding abundance. Astounding abundance. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He said it was a year that we would be repaid for any suffering that we endured in the last year. See, I believe that. I say, I believe that. In the midst of what the world's going through the last two years, this ministry and this fellowship, these churches, have had the best years we've ever had financially. Amen. I, the, I, I, the, the, the financial person the other day was doing the finances, and they told me, they said, I have had to recalculate the tithe because there is so much abundance coming into the church, I've gotta, I've got, we've got to up the tithe. Is that right? Hallelujah. Because God said, I'll bless you, and I'll make your name great. I'm telling you, that's what's coming. What, what, com what comes on the, on the head comes on the body, and it's that corporate anointing, and the very same abundance is flowing down your, down your, is flowing into your life, and you're going to see it in the name of Jesus. I'm declaring it in Jesus' name. Debt freedom is right around the corner. Glory be to God. Oh, I receive that. Hallelujah.